Hey, sis. Thank you for listening to the She Leads podcast series, A Journey in Leadership. Join me as I sit with a few amazing women who are walking in their purpose, taking care of people, owning their leadership styles, and dropping priceless jewels along the way. No matter where you are in your leadership journey, I can guarantee you that you are going to pick up some tips, some tools, and overall enjoy some good conversation about women in leadership. With that being said, go ahead and grab your favorite drink and some note-taking material. Are you ready to go? Let's ride. I'm excited about this She Leads podcast episode series. My goal is to highlight women leaders and their journey. And today, I'm excited to sit down with Miss Donna Campbell. I'm ready. (laughs) From Kiana. And according to her bio, Kiana is currently a master sergeant serving in the United States Air Force. She is the superintendent of the Air Force Personnel Center's Innovation Sale. And Kiana is in the area of HR as a career personnelist for over 14 years. For you don't know, I used to be a personnelist as well. Yes. And she has been placed in various leadership positions throughout the Air Force. Kiana has been assigned to Lodges Field Air Base in Portugal, Aviano Air Base in Italy, Headquarters Air Force Intelligence Surveillance and Reconnaissance, known as Air Force ISR Agency. (laughs) Uh, Director of Manpower and Personnel, JBSA Lackland, here in Texas. The 543rd Support Squadron (laughs) and the 93rd Intelligence Squadron, known as Air Force ISR Agency. And then, of course, Joint Base San Antonio, Lackland, Texas, with the duty at the National Security Agency, Texas, known as INSAT, and headquarters Air Force Personnel Center. Woo! Let me take a I break. Know. I know. I have been a couple of places. I have been a couple of places. You, you, you might. Okay. I, when I, I said I might have been a little, I might be a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And additionally, she has completed four deployments to IUD Air Base Qatar, uh, Kandahar Airfield, Afghanistan, Guantanamo Bay Naval Base in Cuba, and Fort Belvoir, Virginia, assigned to the Criminal Investigations Task Force J1. Okay, sis. She might do a little something. Mm-hmm. She might do a little something. Yeah. I mean, I see, okay, I see you in your, okay. We see you, sis. Okay, okay. <laughs> the high man, yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, these unique assignments have afforded Kiana the opportunity to directly supervise, lead, and mentor approximately 300 airmen. That's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> Give or take. That's what they say. <laughs> so, that's, that's a little bit quote-unquote, about uh, Kiana. <laughs> so, Kiana, first, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to allow me to interview for this podcast series. 
when I was making my interview list, I had to ask you on the show because I've seen you in action and I wanted other women to know you can lead and still be dope. Thank you. It means so much coming from you because you are not easily impressed. So when you look at somebody with such a high regard, like I see you to see me, you know, that means everything to me. So I definitely appreciate it. You know, I'm always, I'm a part of that She Speaks tribe. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you so much. Um, and just in the short time, and I say short time because it hasn't even been two years that we have interacted and known each other, it's kind of like kindred spirits. Yes. And I look at you as my peer, but also like a little sister, right? Yes. yes. And, you know, according to y'all, y'all like the nieces, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I just really appreciate you being here. Um, I know you have a heart for people. Yes. And making sure they're taken care of. And you were one of the people where I was like, yo, I I just need people to see her leadership and I need them to see her because I know you like to be in the background. Yes. Like you're not in the front, making a whole lot of noise. And that's another reason why I asked you to come on because you silently make noise, but I need people to hear you today. Okay. okay. <laughs> Okay. Yes. You know, I'm very modest and very like, you know, because it's one of those like when you know it's from a genuine place. To me, it's a when it comes from the right place that we don't need to what's understood doesn't have to be explained. We don't have to talk about it, you know. And so but I'm thankful that I have people like you in my life where it's like, no, you do have a story. Like, let's talk about it. So here I am. All right. (laughs) So as stated earlier, we're going to talk about women in leadership. And I picked this particular topic because, as you know, women are breaking barriers, they're exceeding expectations, and shattering glass ceilings. And as with anything, it takes a lot of work as a leader. And I put even more work as a woman leader based on the fact that originally workspaces were not designed for us, meaning most industries are and were male-dominated. Yes. And of course, being in the military, we already know that is a male-dominated field. It is. It is. You go back in the history books, no matter what conflict or war or whatever, the men were on the front lines, but we were still holding it down. Yes. Yes. But the difference now is I feel like there is a level playing field. And we've seen the changes, right, over the years based off of women now being allowed in those combat jobs on the front line where it was frowned upon because that's not where, quote, unquote, a lady should be. Right. So, yeah, this is this is going to be good. So I want to put some stats out here, you know. Um, right. Kiana being the leader that she is, the connect that she is. <laughs> me some statistics you know what i'm saying yes because i mean like because we say that and then you know because certain things happen like because uh, technology is so fluid when we have these conversations there are a lot of naysayers that are like i we know that you know it was a male dominant whatever pick a thing 
And it's like, no, like, let's look at these numbers. Like, although we've come so far, like, we still have, you know, work to do that we're doing. But it's one of those, like, let's put these numbers out there. We're not just saying it because that's been the trend. Like, it's real. Yeah. So what I was provided was the number of E7s within the DOD. There are 93,305. So then we broke it down by service. And for the Air Force, there are 26,000 E7s. But then, of course, we dug a little deeper and was like, how many How many women? Right. And that number was 5,429. So for those of you that know how to do the math and you're in the stats, that is 14.1%. Yes. And it's crazy. Like, so the DMD website provides that and it is public knowledge. And it's one of those where it you know it to be true just based off of like the halls we walk, but to actually see the numbers. Yeah. And we have the largest numbers amongst all the branches. Um, I think for the Marines, it would they were like in the hundreds, they didn't even like break a thousand. Right. Yeah. So for those of you that are looking for the source, it is www.dmdc.osd.mil. Yes. And that's where the numbers are. You can pull it up and you can look it up for yourself, sis. Absolutely. Yes. But it's still not a lot of us in here. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So let's get started. Uh, <laughs> Kiana, Master Sergeant Campbell. <laughs> so for the people listening, and of course, we gave your background, right? And right. you done a lot of things and you're in some spaces where you may not see a lot of women right absolutely you may not see a lot of african-american women in yes. these intelligent spaces and you know those different things um so with that you being a personnelist, and for those of you who are not in the military, that's in the HR field. Mm -hmm. mm, let's start off with what you do, because I know it changes from organization to organization, and how long you've been with your organization and leading. So we're starting from the beginning. Um, I joined straight out of high school at 18 and I went to Portugal. And so I was on a very small island and, you know, I was born in Cleveland, but we, I was raised in Florida. And so I, I was led to believe that I was going to be in South America because in Brazil they speak Portuguese. No. <laughs> so I was in Europe and, um, and I was in a um, commander support staff. So I was like in charge of, you know, the customers who were in comm. And so um, it was very male dominant. And um, the thing that I learned fast from some of the women that were also in the HR world was knowledge is power. And so um, they were like, it's one thing. Yes, you need to be strong, but you have to be intelligent and be proficient. Right. And so I'm like, OK, but it was so much information. Like, I don't think anyone who is, you know, a lot of people try to tell a personnelist or an HR person how to do their job, but for us, there's so many different references and books and stuff, and, um, you know, I was taught early on to be a jack of all trades. Right. You may not necessarily know, like, where to go, but, or, or the exact quote, but you need to know where to go and where to look, so 
I definitely that that has been like the first thing. Um, from there, I went to Italy, and it was in that time where I started to see more women who were about business. And so, um, but at that time, I wasn't even twenty one yet, and so I was battling with: Do I want to be a big deal, or do I want to be with my friends? And so, um, again, I was just thankful to. Um, have individuals whose past I crossed that were like, it's okay to do the right thing. It's okay to care about your job because you are your brand. So I'm like, well, I don't like it here. And they're like, I understand. But if somebody comes in, they're going to say, oh, don't go to her because she doesn't know her job. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to let that stop me. So I'm like, all right, let's grind. So I did that. And then when I came down to um, Texas, I actually interviewed for the job. And um, that was the first time I think, um, I was so naive to the military because when we were overseas, it was so very family oriented because it was us versus the world. But we were in the States when we were in the States. um, And when I was interviewing for my job in the CSS or the commander support staff, I immediately was hired. Um, Actually, I went to an Intel MPF first. And so there, that's where I met one of my first influential mentors who was actually a white man (laughs) named, uh, Master Sergeant retired James Fleming and so to this day he is one of like the first mentors who I identify with where he had the passion that I have and so he helped me like uh, gain tactfulness in my craft and so they wanted me to interview for a job with a two-star general which is one of the highest officials on the Air Force side and so I was very nervous and so I you know I got the job and once I was with the staff there was someone that was there that was like man we almost passed on you because we didn't know we were going to be ghetto if you're going to be hood. And so initially I was like, man, did they know I was fighting when I was in Portugal? <laughs> I was a little rough around the edges. And it wasn't until then where I was like, well, what, what did you like, what did you guys, what paperwork did you see? Because, you know, there was a series of things I had to do. And it was because of my first name, because my first name was Kiana. And so that was the first time that I didn't even realize that individuals will judge you based off of just your name or even mine, you know, um, before they even meet you. And so I felt so defeated. The crazy thing was I had two different types of mentors then. Mm-hmm. And so one of my mentors was actually a black woman who was uh, E7 at the time. And so she told me, she asked me if I ever considered just going by my middle name versus my first name. Because she said there was a lot of individuals who came in in the early 90s who did that. And then they were also um, put declined to respond when it came down to their race. And then that's when I uh, crossed paths with um, Chief Master Sergeant Nikia Hartson, who was like, and you're not going to change your name. And you're going to. So it then was like the battles of that's when I knew like mentorship was so crucial. And um, and having more than one mentor was definitely key because although uh, Mr. Fleming, he was very crucial for my walk, but he would never know what it feels like to be a black female in the United States Air Force. Right. And I still needed him as far as like my mentorship tribe. So that was like my first taste. And so because of how proficient I was every time, like every other year I was up for a new job that I'm just like, no, I don't want to do it. And they were like, yes, you do. Okay, I do. And I just like, all right, I'm going to go. And then um, once I like did everything I think you could possibly do in the um, intelligence world, um, then it was, I, I had the opportunity to then deploy and to go to some cool places. But my responsibility were to take care of not just our branch. And so it's something where when um, other components or other branches want to work with you, 
And then that's so I didn't think it was a big deal because I'm like, okay, we're gonna do this. They were like, no, like the other branches want they're asking for you. I'm like, really? Okay. So so that's how um, you know, so it, it then became a point where I had certain people in my ear or in my corner where things would come up and I'm like, Do I wanna do this? They're like, Yep, and I said, Okay, because they we built that trust. So um, that definitely um, was very key. So once all that was done, I never wanted to go to a- to the Mecca or the highest headquarters for our career field. I never wanted to go there. Um, and so um, some of my mentors were like, yes, you need to go there because in order for you to do what we see your potential is, you need to see what it's like to be over there. Right. Um, and I, you know, and I actually just um, had got pregnant. And the day before I was supposed to start, I gave birth and... <laughs> I was like, how am I supposed to do this? So um, that definitely was a challenge um, because then I was judged on how I looked by the time I came back to work because people didn't even know I had a baby. And so, you know, the image is so big, um, but they didn't know that, you know, me and my spouse at the time, like we, I went through so many different things to get uh, pregnant to where there was so much that was going on. I was like, I'm just like, I can't, I just need to quit. And then again, it was other, I then was looking for someone who looked like me and not even necessarily a black woman, but just a person who, who was authentic that I could identify with. And I'm like, how in the world do you do this? Right. She was like, you just stay connected and we're just going to win. And I was like, that's it. That's so easy. But and so it was just one of those, like, have intentional people in your corner that you know are going to hold you accountable. So through like just trusting those individuals and knowing like, man, I really want to push. I really wanted to um, break the barriers. I wanted to, I wanted them to think that I was going to come in one way and come from the complete left. So um, to me, it was, you know, very, very big to um, just make sure that I was just pushing and leaving a legacy. And so like my grandmother has always been like, we need to push, we need to have honor and legacy. And so that just has been key for me to just continue to, push and make it make things happen so here we are (laughs) and here we are are. yes and you are here to tell the story which is amazing because we do have those points especially in the beginning where you know this is new to me I don't know if this is what I really want but I am truly grateful that you have people in your corner from day one Mm-hmm. Um, and that you brought up the part of having different mem- mentors, right? So, yes, someone that looks like me, someone that doesn't look like me, and collectively that has helped you be who you are in this moment. Now, I want to go back real quick. Okay. Because when you started talking about the name, yes, that. Uh, yes. That right there is a struggle that I encountered myself. Yes. And for those of you that are listening, there is so much power in a name, but there's also power in response. Yes. To that name. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is when you grow up being told that your name is great. Yes. And that it is normal. And this is all that you know. And then you go into an organization where that's not the norm. Right. And you're already judged based off of your name. Yes. That's difficult in itself. Mm -hmm. And not to mention now I have to lead 
in spite of these stereotypes. Right. Because I had an experience and I was further along in my career and I'll never forget it. Um, a friend of mine, um, I suggested to her that I would just do an initial. Mm-hmm. I would suggest it to that. Yeah. Somebody told me I should do that too. Mm-hmm. And she said, nope, we're not doing that. Your name is Shanika. And that's right. Your name is Shanika. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and there was so much power in that reassurance because they'll stereotype you all day. Yes. And I remember I was in a unit and I was a staff sergeant at the time. And this guy mm-hmm. came up to me rapping, talking to me. And I said, well, excuse me. Right. Sorry. What's going on here? Right. And he got it together. But that mm-hmm. showed me that's what you thought of me because of one, what I look like, and two, because, you know, in a way, what my name was. So you felt like that's how you and I were going to communicate. No, sir, that's not. That's, that's so, <laughs> you know, the other piece that I struggled with that I didn't even consider um, when I was thinking about it, because I did contemplate it because at that point I wanted to, I knew how to be strong for back home, mm-hmm. but I needed to conform because I did not want my message to be missed in my delivery. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, let me consider this. When I started talking about this with my family, when I tell you my mother was so offended mm-hmm. because she named me. And so then to then know, like, I can be this and I can be that. And so she's like, you already came into this world having to fight. So it shouldn't be any different. And so she said, but you're willing to consider changing your name for people who you don't know, who you probably won't, who won't be in your life. Like, you want to make them comfortable? No, they need to be, they need to, like, the way that she was talking, it was so, like, so profound to me and then to know like how she came up with my name and then like you know it just was like man to just have that in your mind where it's like okay I like I did not even consider how my mother was going to feel and then remembering where my name came from from her perspective it was a man okay and I she was like are you ashamed of who you are and I was like no and so she was like if it's for you it's gonna be for you period and I say yes ma'am She's like, you have to fight for everything else, right? And I say, yes, ma'am. So why is this any different? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, I didn't even consider that. And I'm like, man, how much we cherish our family and our loved ones and knowing the, like, where it originated from. So then when people say, that's your name, and I'm like, yes, my mother said it was a Spanish silk that she saw at some market that everyone loved and had to touch. And it was, you know, then she went into, like, the biblical side of what my name meant. And so anytime it just moved her to emotion. So I'm like, I can't like, okay. All right. Okay. But it was just crazy. Like I was willing to consider changing it for individuals who didn't even have that much of an impact on my life. They were only going to be in there for a moment versus someone who is irreplaceable. Yep. And it's Kiana. It's Kiana. It's not Kiana. They, a lot of people say Kiana. <laughs> it's not Kiana. It's Kiana Lynette. Yes. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And after that, and so she was like, so just expect it. So when you expect it, it shouldn't catch you off guard. Go in there and expect it. And now she was like, now that doesn't mean have your guard up about it. Expect it so it does not rock your foundation of your movement. And I said, okay. Yep. 
So I'm like, all right, here we go. There we go. Right. <laughs> and pronounce it right. And pronounce it right. Say it right. <laughs> and listen, and then I had to get a lesson for your name. Like, yes, say it right. I want to get it right, please. Because I know what that means. You know what I mean? And so a lot of times, again, we catch ourselves. You know, it's this. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to say it right. I'm going to get it right. <laughs> I'm going to get it right. And yes. I wanted to discuss that briefly because that's a part of leadership, right? Yes. Owning who you are, owning your name, and owning your legacy. Yes. Your name is a big part of that because there's reaction when people hear your name. Either they're going to love it or they're not. And I mean everything that's attached to that name as well. Yes. So, ah, I'm glad we went down that little journey. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So you've been out here. Yes. In different organizations, male dominated. Um, you are the HR for other career fields that are not HR centered. Right. So let's talk about your your personal mission and vision as a leader. What is that? And it's so crazy because I didn't even think about that until this moment, right? And so I'm going to read it. So I don't want it. It's going to come from a reading voice or whatever. But um, but I'm like, man, if I had to think about what my mission is, what I want is and what I'm seeking out to do, I would say is to use my many gifts because I have come to grips with, I have a lot of gifts. There's a lot of things that I can do. Mm -hmm. um, but to use those as keys, my many gifts as keys to unlock inspiration, purpose, to educate, you know, everyone that's around me. And doing that, my intent is that my efforts will inspire the next generation that's coming behind me. Mm -hmm. So a lot of like barriers I had to um, overcome, it would come from or it would stem from someone saying that I could not do something. Or our team, my team could not do it, something. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I would literally, I would be, I would be like, I'll be right back. I would literally go somewhere and, and I would just, I could see things that weren't there. And I'm like, okay, let's try this. Right. And I'm like, all right, let's try that. Okay, let's try this. And just that whole, like, we're not going to give up. This is what we're limited to. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And just to strive, like, to make sure that the whoever is coming behind us or even around us because you don't know what an individual is going through sometimes you know just like a spark if I keep my light going I may spark the the person next to me and I just want them to know like we all can win yes yes, <laughs> yes. absolutely absolutely and so a lot of times like I didn't know what my purpose was like we've had these talks um and if nothing else the pandemic has definitely made me intentionally think and focus on myself. Right. And so while I'm trying to figure it out, being around individuals that, that spark that passion around you or inside of you is so key. So I'm like, man, I hope that I can do that to other individuals, you know, that I come in contact with. Right. So I would say that, that was, that's my mission. Okay, man. Yes. And then as part of your vision, um, you say that you believe it's always been honor and legacy. Yes. 
So it's so it's so ironic. My grandmother said this to me. Um, so I'm very family oriented, and I come from a very large family. And so um, my grandmother passed away in January of 2019. And so, um, but she definitely was a cornerstone of my family. And so I remember it was it meant so much to me to make her proud, make my mom proud, my aunts and stuff proud. So I was like, what do I do? Like, what what does that look like? because I don't want to miss it and I don't want to mess up. And so she just kept saying honor and legacy. And so she was like, you will honor me. You can show me honor by handling yourself, carrying yourself the way that we have taught you to carry yourself. That even if the people around you aren't doing what they're supposed to do, you're still going to do what you're supposed to do. And she said, um, and while you are in these different leadership positions and when you get older, because I think I still was in high school when I first asked her that. Um, she was like, leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. So whoever's coming behind you, they have a blueprint with what this needs to look like. But she said that blueprint, though, it is interchangeable. It's interchangeable where although this is what the blueprint is, you could customize your house to be what you want it to be. Right. But you at least have something where you're not trying to create something. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's right there. And so um, it actually came up again because I forgot about that. And I saw it again on ESPN where this one guy, he was resilient. He had overcome cancer. And the OGs that, like, rallied around him, that got him back to a good place when everybody, like, counted him out, he was like, how can I repay y'all? And they said the same thing, honor and legacy. So honor the ones. Like, so I will always, anywhere I go, if, if it's something that my mentor or someone I look up to, like, I'm always going to, I got this from them. I'm, I'm always going to show them that type of honor and respect because they did not have to, you know, put time. When you are mentoring somebody, that's, that is a lot of pressure. It is a lot of work. <laughs> like, for real, for real. So thanking them for, like, always being there, you know, and holding me down and seeing, seeing something in me a lot of times when I didn't see it in myself. And then making sure that I then do that, leave a legacy for whoever is coming behind me. So that's always been my mission to do things with a purpose because someone's always watching. Yeah. Thank you. That is so dope. (laughs) Because what I've realized is that sometimes we can get caught up in trying to leave a legacy. Yes. About the entire honor part. Right. So the fact that you keep both of those in mind in everything that you do, I think that's pretty dope. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. So we talked about your mission and your vision, right? Yes. So let's kind of talk about the change management and strategy of things in regards to leadership. So how have you presented your mission and your vision? And I know you said you just started thinking about it, but I'm pretty sure you were already doing these things anyway. So whenever you go into an organization or a work center, what type of feedback do you or have you received based off of what your mission and vision are? I've always been known as a creator or someone who comes through in a clutch. And so when I first looked at this question, there were five different moments that actually stick out to me Mm -hmm. um, that I know there was a change management in my like leadership style strategy and all of that came into place. Uh Um, For me, it's a, I've always, because I'm a innovative, creative thinker and just an individual, I never go into a spot wanting to just go ahead and fix it and make it my own. I don't like when people do that. Cause it's like, get a lay of the land to understand the why, 
So you need to understand why, like, what's limiting them from doing this? It, it has to be something. Right. So I need to kind of just like look, you know, kind of kind of get what's going, you know, going on or whatever. So one of the, the first moments that stick out to me is there was no foundation when um, there were certain environments that I was placed in or offices where people would do the younger, the younger airmen. I don't want this to necessarily be, you know, military oriented, but the younger generation, they were doing things because somebody told them to. Mm. But they didn't have the foundation of the why are you doing that, though? Right. So you need to talk through it. And so with that, when I came into the Mecca, <laughs> people don't understand, like, like AFP, where I work, there's 3,000 plus people. Right. And so the workload is extremely fast. And when we have all these young airmen who are in upgrade training, a lot of them were failing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, regardless of if we get this job done, I need them to know they matter and they have time. So I, on my own time, came up with a, with a in-house training plan for these airmen. And it was crazy because, again, it was a, I'm worried about my team, but I've always been one that's been inclusive. And so I've never been a reporter. I've always been a, hey, this is what I have. What do you have? This is what I have. What you got? And so um, it turned into the one packet I made for this in-house training, this blueprint, all of the airmen. It started off with just like my six, and then it then trickled down to like 30 airmen who went from failing their like uh, – certification for their jobs, so their CDCs. Right. And so they went from failing to beating the Air Force average for our career fields. Mm-hmm. And so then that's when my mentor was like, let's push this up a notch. Is this something that can be branded across the Air Force? I said, well, let's see. So then I started holding classes to show supervisors who were in high-paced um, areas like me how to do this. And I, said, and I mean, like, from cops to maintainers to people in LRS, I was giving them this blueprint where they then were saying this stuff was so successful for them. And so for me, it was a something, again, it was something that was right here, but I'm like, man, I wonder, do you need this? And it just turned into like, to this day, they asked for it. Um, So that's one big moment that I really can think of. The other one was when I, um, for my team, the phones will ring off the hook. And when I say off the hook, literally we'll get like 200 calls per person of individuals asking for something. So this is when the Air Force brought back their innovation program. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is how it's going to be. All right, cool. So I came up with a plan uh, where I uh, submitted an idea of um, whatever the coding was. Basically, instead of our customers calling, asking us this question, because we would have to stop what we were doing, which turned, to, it turned into my team working 13 hour shifts, okay. the customers can look themselves. So I submitted that idea and I got a, a nice little check from the Air Force. <laughs> then a couple months later, they contacted me and they wanted to pay me some more. And so I was like, well, hold on. Because, <laughs> you know, if they, if they mess this up, I don't want you to take this back. Right. So um, then I was contacted and they told me the code that they used for my one idea, the way that I was extremely detailed on how it looked. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't speak bits and bots. If I rule the world, this is what it would look like. Um, but they were able, it was so, it was so simplistic, they said, that they then could take my one idea and spread it across 27 other areas that was going to help the entire Air Force, not just my little team. 
and, and I kept getting paid until they met, we met the cap <laughs> and I didn't anymore. But I was so like bashful about that. I didn't want to like, cause I didn't do it for shows. So I was like, no, I don't want to talk about it. It's okay. But that's the, uh, that's another one. Um, after that, I had to go to, so the third one, I had to go to um, NCOA. So for those who are non-military individuals, once you've been in a certain um, level or a certain position for a while, you know, they want, our company will send us to school to make sure we fine-tune some things because it might be a, it might have been a little minute. And so it being in a male-dominant world, literally each class is like maybe, let's say it's 20 of us and two, two females, and that's it. But everyone, everyone was maintainers or they were in a medical field and they were men. And so our cops, and they would have a bunch of airmen and they were like, man, I don't know how to set them up for success. I feel like we're always reactive. I feel like I'm always behind. I don't know what I need to do. And so I was like, just play your year. And they were like, what does that mean? So then I would use our downtime and I actually made them <laughs> these supervisor books because they didn't know the personnel side. So I just listened to how they were complaining about they didn't know when certain awards were coming up or to think ahead. And so all I did was just put it in a way, I put it, I put this book in a way where I sent it to them. And like, you guys tell me, does this make sense? Or does this talk, does this sound like HR talk? And they're like, no, it doesn't. Like, we like it. And so literally I sent it out and then I started getting calls because once the class was over, they were coming from all these other different bases from everywhere. So then they would start calling me and they're like, listen, do you mind teaching this to my flight of people? Do you mind teaching this to, so then that's, that started something else where it was like, I just, all I did was just listen to the people who I, I like grew to love and they were like my friends and stuff. And so I'm like, man, I like, so I did, I never looked at them and was like, you don't know that it wasn't that. It was like, man, okay. Well, let me just put this together. Is this what you mean? And so literally, I think I, I think I had like four editions out there for that. And so, um, yeah, that <laughs> was good. And then the pandemic. So the before is the pandemic. The pandemic hits. And um, during this time, uh, when I first came to the Mecca, the place I'm at now, um, I started in one work center. And because after my idea, I got the opportunity to work in um, policy. And so that's typically a job for an E7 individual. And I just put on E6. So I was, um, you know, petrified. It's been a great, but it definitely was a beautiful learning experience. So on the tail end of that, there was an opportunity for me to be in the innovation cell um, because of the things that I just told you I've done. Um, Then the pandemic hits. Mm -hmm. And I'm not on social media like that. Um, (laughs) However, (laughs) uh, our customers went from being able to go to work to not being able to go to work. Right. So I know that a lot of people don't have the gift of being able to see things that's not there. A lot of them freeze up. And so um, one of the biggest thing, one of the a great trait I, I value in a leader is peer-to-peer relationships. Yeah. So because I had those peer-to-peer relationships, I was calling the, the different bases, the people who I was connected to. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Germany, to Japan, to Hawaii, to Turkey. And I'm like, are y'all okay? What's going on? What do you need? So whatever they need or whatever they had going on where they were like, I don't know how we're going to do this. I was then doing in-house training on Zoom, (laughs) on Google Meets, and I was putting together different packets for them so so that my peers could help their team make sure that they got whatever was done. 
then as we got into this pace, we we're like, okay, we're going to be here for a while. Then I, I did a checkup, like, what else, what else is going on? Where they're like, well, we don't know how we're going to, like, you know, they're losing hope. They don't, there's no, like, um, you know, professional development or anything to the outside world. So um, one of my bosses uh, hit me up and gave me an opportunity to work with a team that was putting together a page um, that was going to do just that. And so in the midst of that, um, it actually grew and it was, it was, um, it still is really big, right? And um, in the midst of that, though, the conversations I was a part of talking to my peers, the E7s, because we just talked about those numbers, a lot of the females were talking about getting out. Because it was hard for them to choose between serving and being a mom, mm. the guilt that they get of serving, and my kid has this and that, and so you're in career fields and offices where you may be the only female, right? Or the other female that's in the room is has is, is barely twenty, right? So then they were like, I've never seen so the highest enlisted position. One for all branches is an E9. So they had not seen E9s at all. So being in the headquarters for HR, I, I then posed the question, like, am I too far-fetched? Because I know sometimes I've noticed a lot of times, sometimes I'm ahead of my time. So I'm like, is this, this going to be received? And so um, the naysayers weren't the ones who were in my corner. Um, and so I said, well, I'm going to just do it. Right. So I did a call out, a call to action. And I was like, listen, E9s, we need to talk because a lot of my peers, they talk about getting out because they don't think you exist. Right. And we're not talking about an E9 that's in the corner that has, that, you know, has been through a little life, you know, because they think the stereotype is they're fragile, they're not youthful, they're not, you know, relatable, and that's so far from the truth. So I then started a series of having a panel of just E9 Air Force women And it was, it was so overwhelming to the point where, um, when I see individuals now, they know I'm like, man, if they could just get some hope when I needed, when I needed hope and I needed my second win, I thank God that I was able to cross paths with individuals who Gave me that second win. That that's where that so that I'm doing. So I was teaching at one point, and then I brought together these be- these phenomenal <laughs> chief master sergeants, right? To give them hope, and and again, and even then, it was a lot of naysayers, and that's why I had to have that website um, because you know, because again, when when individuals don't understand the vision and they don't ask the question. You know, they go, the, it's easy to go to shade. <laughs> so it was, I was trying to, you know, do, I was trying to, be, I was a sexist. They were calling me so many different things um, than men were. And so I was just like, what in the world? But again, during that time, I had so much love and support on the other end. So that's what I did. Yes. Um, thank you. And I remember the panels. I also remember when you first got picked up for that uh, innovation sale job. <laughs> yeah, I was like, because I was ready to, you know, it, to me it was a, I know as a creator, after a while you have to move. You got to go to somewhere else for the fresh idea. It's time to go, but yes. So they, we, they moved us to the innovation center. And literally, when the pandemic hit, everything that we were 
doing had to stop. So then I'm like, well, I need to find something. I can always find something to do. So, yep. Right. <laughs> and it's just, you know, amazing to see. That's what birthed that part. So. Let's go. <laughs> I, was, I was like, because you were like this. It's at first, I'm like, <laughs> you okay? <laughs> Excuse us, everybody. We have a little bit of technical difficulties. It's all right. Not sure what's going on, but we all because I was like, okay, let me keep talking a little bit. But then your face, I was like, oh no, she's not gonna keep that face that long. (laughs) Where'd she go? Yep. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's what like with the innovation cell, it was like we were fresh off the ground and everything. We had all this new technology all these pending classes that were face-to-face. So we went from that to, you got to go home. You can't be up here. So I was like, okay, let's do it. And I know for me personally, having to leave through that, there's no, there's no book for that. There's no book for that. I look, I eat twice. There's no book. I look. (laughs) There isn't. I check, I check, I check Google, I check Amazon, I check Goodreads, I check audio, audibles. I said somebody else has had to talk about this. It's not out there. I checked. It's not it's not there. <laughs> and the kids were on too. I looked yes. it wasn't out there. It was not out there. But the fact that you were still able to leave, the fact that you were still able to provide that to your peers and anyone who needed it to me oh and to provide representation for others right that is so dope because mm-hmm. sometimes we get caught up and we don't have it to get right but being able to lead through all of that I know it was some sacrifice and some, you know, struggle and some initial, okay, how am I going to do this, right? Because I remember, let's not forget you all, that we were also leading during social unrest. Yes. So not only are you having to lead during Right. (laughs) You are having to lead during a time where... The outside world, there's uncertainty. Yes. And there's no guidebook for that either. No. <laughs> and you have to have these conversations because I think I think the um the things that we know that we take for granted as people who serve I think people on the outside think that, you know, we and I get it because less than one percent of you know U.S. citizens actually serve, but what's going on in the outside or the makeup of the outside is the same thing on the inside. Yes. So having those conversations and they're talking about looting and all these other things and a lot of the conversation, they're, they're harsh with their words where I had to drive it home where I'm like, so we're talking about some of my cousins. Right. Protesting, right? And so then it was like, 
okay, well, how do we talk through this? Well, I'm telling them, you just got to be self-aware. And so there was a lot going on. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Yes. Yes. Okay, ma'am. So with everything that you have encountered, do you have mentors? And if so, how have they helped you along the way? Do you encourage mentorship? And what tips do you have regarding mentorship? I do have mentors. I know that I probably would not be in, in the military. I would not have the job that I have that I've been a part of for almost 15 years. And it's crazy saying that out loud had I not had mentors. And my mentors have definitely... Um, I was taught early on that they all serve a different purpose and there are different types of mentors mm -hmm. and there's different types of mentor sessions. Um, so one thing that sticks with me, the infamous D smoke for people who watch Netflix rhythm and flow, the show that had that T I was one of the executive producers, the guy who actually won the whole thing. Mm -hmm. He is a poet. So something that he said that stuck with me, when I talk about mentorship is uh, growth. He says that it's safe to say that growth is an, an, is an uncomfortable process and pain is a necessary investment for process or for progress. And mm -hmm. so when he goes into details and it's something that one of my mentors used to say to me where I'm like, you keep hurting my feelings. You keep hurting my feelings. And he was like, growth hurts. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, when you get in your mind, that we're not trying to tear you down, give into the process. This won't, he said, it's gonna hurt regardless, but you now know where that is coming from. And he was like, and that pain is a necessary investment in where you need to be next. So I'm definitely an advocate. So once I then got that in my mind and I locked into that and I actually believed it, so much had changed for me because I'm like, man, they're trying to change me and they, they weren't trying to necessarily change me for the worst. I think, you know, th there's a misconception of that where you have to be fake and that's not it. It's that tactfulness, being able right. to fight for your people, being able to allow your leadership to tr like uh, transpire, not so much transpire, but you could be in different groups and it still be received in a positive way. Right. So I'm definitely um, an advocate for that. Um, I recently was reading this article from riversoftware.com and they talk about seven different types of mentors because that was the other thing too, where I have my peers when I hear my peers or the, like the ones that's coming up behind me, they're like, I got one mentor. That's all I need. And that's so far <laughs> from the truth. Yes. So far from the truth. Um, so a part of me being an advocate for mentorship um, mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. is uh, having the, um, the knowledge and educating uh, individuals that they're different types of mentors. Right. So I love the way they broke this one down where they're like, there's seven, there's seven different types. The first one they talk about is the traditional mentor. Mm -hmm. And that you like your close friends, family, your mom or whoever that person is that, you know, that knows you from the beginning, whatever. The next one is called reverse mentors. And mm -hmm. that is, I think, the relationship that you and I have where I've, like, there's some moments where I'm like, no, I want to tell you this. And, and you, <laughs> you being in a space where you can receive that from me because I look up to you and I'm like, man, like, just to see your journey and where you are, um, that reverse mentorship where you allow that little sister, that little brother to be able to, like, pour into you is mm -hmm. definitely uh, very necessary. 
The next one they talk about is peer mentors. That peer uh, mentor, I just want to stay there for a second. That hit different. That one hit a little different. And I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you why. There's been so many, and this to me translates no matter where you are. When you see how people treat someone who they think is on their level or beneath them says so much about them. Yep. And so um, one lesson, anytime I didn't promote, uh, one of my mentors was like, there's something that you need to learn before you right. actually get this responsibility. And so the right before I made tech, because <laughs> it took me four times to get her, I had to court her for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it was the peer-to-peer relationships. I did not do well with my peers because I, from that point, at that point, I was always around people who outranked me, who had more experience because I felt like my peers can't tell me nothing, but they can because we're all going through the same thing. Right. And so uh, one of my mentors was like, listen, the higher ups, the ones that you make sure you take care of, they can get you in the room and they'll tell you to have a seat at the table, but it's your peers. Yep. That's going to make sure that you can actually stay at this table and you're respected. It's one thing when you're respected amongst the higher ups, that means that you are taking care of them, that service. You're being a servant with them, right? You're taking care of them. But it's right. talking about that peer-to-peer relationship where you are like, you're strong enough in who you are. You know who you are, where there's one, there's no one like you and you being right. confident in what you bring to the table and realizing like, okay, I see what you bring. You got that. Okay, I got this. Let's do versus. Oh, yes. I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna say, so two of my two of my mentors who I always talk about is Chief <laughs> Carson and Chief Comer. Yes. And when I tell you to see them, they were in the same off the same like big office, right? Mm-hmm. For the non-military folks, but they were in the same flight. And to see the way that they competed, they never tore each other down. Right. They were like, all right, when we get in here, you better you better give us your all. And so it's to know they were genuinely happy for each other because it was like if you get it it's a win if i get it it's a win so they were just right. like that energy so to just watch them do that to me i'm like okay and so i try to make sure i translate it translate that because that's something that's so overlooked and missed that peer-to-peer mentorship yeah listen the <laughs> next one is aspirational mentors and that's the ones you know you look up to and you aspire to be where you may not necessarily know too much of and I look at those like to me it's Michelle Obama I read what that woman writes <laughs> and there's certain leaders that I probably would never meet you know like that type yeah. of or whatever but I aspire to have the some of the traits that she has the next one is the practical leadership the ones that actually know my job that proficiency mm-hmm. that can help me make sure that I am like you know translating it I'm getting this um you know right. what I, what I want to be they're helping me with that craft and honing in on what I need to work on, but they also are advocating for me when I'm not in the room. Right. That part. <laughs> Where they're like, <laughs> oh, you got that? Oh, I got the, per- the person right there. To right. me, like that, that's a different one. And so coping mentorship, when you're having those hard times, the mentors that you, so they just yeah. go into these different levels of it where I then explain to um, my peers, and even some of the ones where you know they're misinformed, where mentorship is not like having a big brother, big sister, and a lot of those different environments. Yeah. Um, and sometimes yeah. it may come from people who you would never think it would come from or whatever, right. but your hearts speak the same. Those kindred spirits are the same. Mm-hmm. And just getting that the, the uh, realistic expectations of if you are a mentee, you know you need a mentor, <laughs> seek them out. Right. Because I think about when when uh reality tv first started and you know from from Bentley, i think that's how you say yep. his name where he was like i needed to work for this man 
<laughs> I needed, I needed PDD's mentorship. PDD wasn't looking for him. Right. And so there's so many of the, the, you know, this generation that's coming behind me where they want things, a lot of things handed to them, that entitlement where, well, you didn't bring it over to me. If you, nobody's going to fight for you, like you're going to fight for you. Right. Look for whoever that person is. And it doesn't have to be everything. It could be bits and pieces of whatever. I know when I'm talking about this part, I need this mentor or that one or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm there. That's how I advocate for it. It definitely has helped. When I look at the different types of mentors, it definitely opened my perspective to know that um, it's, <laughs> it's a lot that I got going on. So I need a lot. It's, I need a whole village. <laughs> a yes. Whole village. A whole village. A, a whole village. A whole village. Absolutely. Yep. That's my, I'm very big on that. And so I also, we have classes and stuff too, where um, this pandemic has definitely opened that door because we started off strong. I started off, I'm about to work out, I'm about to eat right, I'm about to do this. Then once we had to sit for a little bit, it got a little dark. It did. So, so one of the mentor uh, moments is actually with you, when you and um, Toya called me in to be a part of the glow or the point to oh, have those yeah. Um, and then that's when I started having book clubs. And it wasn't until those moments where there were individuals who were like, man, this was like mentorship for them. Yeah. So making sure I then provide space because I knew what it felt like where that little dark, where I'm yeah. like, well, I really got to sit at home for real, for real. Like, man, like, when is this going to end? Especially like, you know, my family is 20, 27, uh, 27 hours away. Right. So I'm like, man, okay. So it was having those moments. Yeah. It means a lot. It's needed. Yeah. Definitely. Y'all hear that? Mentorship. Yes. Mentors. Get a mentor for every area of your life. Every area. <laughs> every, every area, area of your life. Yes. And it yes. don't have to be, and don't, don't forget your supervisor or your manager doesn't always have to be the one to be your mentor because they may not have it. Or you just may not click. So when you seek out someone, remember in mentorship, you're seeking out someone you want to emulate in some form or fashion, whether it's career, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's work-life alignment, you know. Mm -hmm. So yes, ma'am, thank you for sharing your mentorship. <laughs> and even with the leader, like, because like, I, we all have, we can't pick our bosses. So there may be a boss we don't like, right? right. So um, I remember one time, one of my, my, again, Mr. Fleming, he was like, there was this boss, I was like, I don't want nothing about them at all. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want no mentorship at all. He was like, well, this one, you're not asked, like, this one is a, it is only by default because this is your boss. Right. And so I, I can't learn nothing. So he was like, you can always learn something from that person. Yeah. Like, you don't like a person for whatever reason. If you can't find the good in them, he was like, that speaks to your immaturity and not what they bring to the table. Mm. And then I didn't want to talk about it. Cause then I was like, <laughs> that's that growth part we were talking about that hurt a little yeah. bit. That necessariness where now I find myself where if there's individuals, I don't necessarily care for certain parts of them. Yeah, I can't take. I'm not gonna take away those attributes that they bring to the table that is necessary that I can learn, even if it's what not to do. Or I'm looking like, okay, they do that. I like this little piece that's right here. Let me get that right. little mentor. <laughs> they the traditional one or that. You know that what which 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 you know part are they gonna feel? But yeah, right. It's definitely necessary. 
<laughs> Mentorship. Mentors. Get one. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag so, that. <laughs> so what has been your biggest challenge as a leader and how did you handle it? So uh, there's two things that stick out to me. One of them we talk about colors to talk about temperaments and personalities and yeah. so i am a blue gold so blue is i am very, i i can feel my emotions i'm mm -hmm. typically sensitive i'm nurturing the gold is i'm goal oriented i am the person that you know i can have rally the team together keep yeah. us together and so i struggle with wanting to be liked by my uh the people who work for me mm -hmm. and um, that was tough for me because a part of me, like I wanted them to know, although I'm correcting you, I still care about you. Right. So, um, that's when, again, those mentors, and I had to go to one who had a strong personality like me, cause the mm -hmm. misconception is I'm tough, which I am, but I'm sensitive too. And so they were like, so you're not here to be like, and they're probably not going to like you. They're probably not even going to appreciate you until they experience something else and they go somewhere else. So they're like, so this, in this space, I had to get over not being liked. The, mm -hmm. the fear of not being liked because it then was hindering what I knew I needed to give them. And I'm like, man, I'm actually not doing, I'm not, I'm doing them a disservice right. by pulling back because I wanted them to like me. And so um, I needed a gut check because I'm like, what, what am I doing wrong? And so they're like, you're trying to be liked. They're not going to like you. Let me just tell you that now. And it has nothing to do with you. Growth hurts. Uh -huh. Growth hurts. And so oh. sure enough, one or two years later, after they go somewhere else, they then call me, you thank you so much, ma'am, because I know my <laughs> job. And, da, da, da. and I'm like, really? And it again, it was one of those like, you're planting that seed. You're not, it's not going to bloom the same day. So they're not going to, you know, don't look at it for that. You're not doing it for that. And it was before I had a kid. But now that I have one, I'm like, okay. He doesn't, if my son gets upset, if there's certain things that I do, I'm like, I know it's for his own good, that he's probably not going to appreciate that until right. a long time from now. But in those moments, it was like, man, I, uh, I wanted him to, to like me. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one was, was the peer-to-peer -peer relationships, knowing how to not um, dim my light, um, mm -hmm. because I know that my passion comes out big. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that because of the impact I've had, um, that a lot of times it's intimidating. And so I had to find my, my space where I could stay true to myself, not mm -hmm. disrespect myself by dimming my light because a lot of the things that I, you know, we ran down my accomplishments, it came with some things with it. Right. And so like, man, as much as I'm known as the hype man in my circle, <laughs> I'm like, if someone tries to dim one of my sister's lights, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there to be loud. And I'm like, I need to show up for me. So I had to find that balance of being confident in who I was because there's a very thin line between cocky and confident. Right. And so finding that, that middle ground where I could be true to myself, but also be considerate of my peers. So those were the two big things for leadership for me that I had to overcome. Which leads me to the next area for the sister listening right now who may be nervous mm -hmm. about her leadership or maybe she is leading for the first time, what would you say to her? Everyone has fears. 
every leader has a fear. And so it's not about having that fear. And what I've also know, noticed is a lot of times if you are sometimes like uh, fearful or anxious, you actually care. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not um, necessarily um, allowing yourself to feel that feeling, but also knowing how to um, work through that. Right. And not allow your fear to then like cripple you from where like you lose influence because a lot of times when we're afraid we try to do little shortcuts we try to like let me go this way let me go that way yeah. um, let me go around it versus having the courage to lead straight on and when you try to have those shortcuts you then could damage your name your brand which you've worked so hard your influence um by doing that but knowing that we all have fears and so it's not about like you you're not getting through though you know getting rid of it but but knowing how to move in that right and not let Stop you. Okay. Everybody has fears. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Because well, mine, so I say this, everybody has fears. So like mine, another reason, like, you know, I like to be in a bag. And the reason is just like, and I've seen this in YouTube where you don't <laughs> think you're doing anything grand or special. So you don't want to be looked at like an imposter. Like you want to have a, a conversation with me. Like I'm just doing what I'm, you know, so you don't want to be looked at like, well, she being fake or, you know, because you don't right. have, in my mind, like, I don't have it all together. But again, no one has said that you had to be perfect. Right. You just have to lead with conviction and being honest and true to who you are. And what I've learned is when you actually share with your team that, you know, you, you got life that's going on too, that right. actually makes them gravitate to you more because it's like, oh, you are a person. Right. And the other thing is miscommunication. Those were my, my two fears where I'm like, I didn't want to look, be looked at as being fake. But mm -hmm. I also know that because we come from different places, um, I did not want to miscommunicate and not be able to take care of my people. Right. So because I know that, I make sure that the ones who know me, um, you know, I have those accountability checks where it's like, am I not coming off authentic? And then right. just being um, secure and like, okay, it's okay to toot your horn a little bit and say, you know, this, that, and the third, but not allowing that to stop me from speaking up or sitting right here because right. no one has to be perfect they just want you to be present and they want you to be authentic yep yep that is so true yes, <laughs> yes. so kiana as you know it's always a pleasure to sit and talk with you as we've done on multiple occasions <laughs> right right and i'm so grateful that you took the time to share your leadership journey with the she speaks community so before we wrap up, and I always want to make sure that we are continuing to speak life at this moment, and you speak life into the She Speaks listeners. <laughs> yes. We can lie, man. I'm like, mm, just knowing you're worthy. And again, I'm so much. I'm so thankful that our paths crossed when they did um, because it's ironic that you say um, you're asking me to speak life because that's exactly what your book did. And I felt like you wrote it just for me. You were in my, you in my bed and in my business. <laughs> and I have adopted certain things where, but you know, I don't feel the best all the time. So I definitely like knowing what works, words of affirmation, having that everywhere and just knowing like no one is like you. 
And so understanding that that is one of your greatest superpowers, that there is one you that's it. And understanding the power of yet. I don't know how to do this yet. I'm not proficient mm. in this yet. I didn't get this promotion or this thing yet. Mm. And knowing that, like, if that, that yet puts that hope in there, like, okay, there's things I need to do, that accountability that's there, and just believing in yourself. Even, like, people think that you have to do these, again, these big, grand things to be courageous. And it's not that. It's, it's intentionally living. It's intentionally getting up. Like, okay, I'm going to do these small steps. I know I need an accountability partner. And I'm telling you, if it was not for me being like being aware and then coming to you and I'm like, listen, I don't know what I need to do, but I need to do something. And then you challenging me, right? So it's like the power of being connected, not allowing us having to be in, in um, like that social distance to stop us from connecting. Right. Um, but just knowing like you, there is only one you. You are wanted, you are needed, um, and you have a purpose. If you have a heart, a heartbeat, then you have a purpose on this earth. And if you don't know what it is yet, you can't find it, connect to somebody who can speak to your soul until it comes out. And it's going to come out because even with y'all, we are like, why aren't you doing what you need to do? I don't, what am I need to do? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I need to do. I don't know. I don't know. And so it was like, okay, I'm just going to try a bunch of stuff. And then y'all tell me what is, what is I'm going to put some on the wall. Let's see what comes out. And, we, you know, we go from there. But just having that, that power of yet. I don't know how to do this yet. I don't have this yet. But then putting some action behind it and being intentional with your movements. They're so, like, if they're connected to you, when I tell you, listen, listen. Because <laughs> sometimes, like, it's, it's one of those, like, some, you, you were just one connection away from actually being different. Like, I think about, like, yeah. the Michael Jordans of the world where, like, he was good, but yeah. until he got connected to the right sauce, the right, right. person, then he started them moving. You think of Michael Jackson until he was connected to the right person, the right sauce. You just that sauce. So if he speaks community, just get that little secret sauce. The sauce of care, because you are so authentic. You are so intentional. You are so, like, you are such a light I love you so much. And if they are connected to you, and I tell you, like, they are forever blessed because you are, you are so authentic and you lead with conviction and you have that secret sauce, which is to just care. You care. <laughs> you care. You see so many of these, these individuals that are in these positions and they're like, what, what, what did you do to get to this spot? What did you, you just care. You just care. And I'm going to say it. The first time our paths crossed, I was going through the toughest time of my life. And I felt invisible. I felt unwanted. I felt worthless. And these were things that I could hear the echoes of the naysayers. And I allowed myself to repeat it inside of myself over and over mm -hmm. again. But I said, I just can't give up. I don't know why I'm in this space because it was so much that was going on at one time. Right. And I was like, God, if I still have a purpose, if this is not in vain, I need a sign, show me something. And I was testing for a promotion, for a promotion they told me I wasn't going to get. And you put a card on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> and some uh, stripes. And some encouragement. And when I tell you, I hate, you know, we can't, that whole don't show emotion. Because, you, you know, people don't understand what that is. But it just right. was like, you had no idea. That I was sitting in my car and I was like, 
I love my son, but I want to live for me. Like what, like I need something, like show me, like I'm still like, I still matter. Somebody sees me. You did not have to do that. Then from that moment, it was like, man, all you did was care. It costs nothing to be polite. And you, <laughs> sometimes people don't know. They don't. Yeah. They don't. The same thing with your book to know like some of my close friends, things that they are going through and just to be, and it came right on time. And if you didn't know the power of yet, you probably would have talked yourself out of it and you didn't know like how many people that you have like whose lives you've touched where I'm like man you are the hope I need you to get through this patch that you're in so <laughs> I can have the hope of like all right if she's doing it you're leaving a legacy for me and I know like that she speaks families they feel the same thing I feel like you are just <laughs> so amazing and I'm so thankful that you even thought enough of me like you know how I feel about you I love you so much so <laughs> much the Air Force didn't owe me anything but an opportunity and I'm just so thankful that I'm able to cross paths with people like you because a lot of times back home we it's the don't be too modest don't toot your own horn don't right but when you're around individuals who are like no I'm gonna pull up on you tell them what do you got going on and I'm like I don't I do want me to say it to give me that promise like nope and we gonna do this and you right. and you seen that thing like i just i'm so forever grateful she speaks the power of me yet <laughs> and it's only one you that is your superpower there's only one you that's it <laughs> my chair been squeaking this whole time i'm like <laughs> i'm not listen y'all that's my chair that's my chair <laughs> But I thank you so much. I appreciate you. And it it, it wasn't until these moments, because you know our hearts are very much the same. But we're doing so much. But when I when you intentionally were like, I need you to look at this stuff, I'm like, maybe I, I have been somewhere. I am some I am somebody. You were like, yeah, you are so I am. Yes. I thank you. I thank you so much. Cause you are you are a friend that will ah, you will sit in the dark with me. Yep. If I'm not ready to get up. <laughs> And it doesn't matter how ugly I may get, right? Because sometimes, like, some friends, there, there's conditions. And so yeah. it's rare when a person will sit in the dark with you until it's okay. And you genuinely, like, it's all right. We're going to sit right here. Yeah. I'm telling you that she speaks. You speak that life now. <laughs> yes! Come on, she speaks! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Yes, you know how I feel about you. You know, I just need a reason to hype you up. You know. Come on, she speaks. <laughs> I love you so much, so much. Yes. Oh, thank you. I love you too. And I I really thank you for stepping out of your comfort zone and stepping into the light that is yours. Um like I said, I've watched you. I know your heart, but I need other people to see that despite the circumstances, no matter what it looks like, all you have to do is be determined, surround yourself with positive people, yes. and take your time and everything else will fall into place. Okay. So I thank you for the kind words and I told you I'm forever grateful yes. uh, because you trusted me enough with, you, with your life 
and those that are closest to you. And I won't ever take that for granted. Um, that's what She Speaks is about. It's about making sure women have a safe space and a platform to put each other in the spotlight. Or, as you say, to sit in the dark together until the sun comes out. So with that, <laughs> the She Speaks community, um, I got one more question for Key. Key, if you would suggest any resources or any books, websites, or people to follow, um, who would you suggest and what would you suggest? You know, I'm going to tell them to get that reflection guide. If they don't have it, <laughs> and if they have it, they need to gift it. You know, I'm going to tell them to do that. You know, I'm going to say that. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I am like, I'm so open to just listening to different things. So like um, the audibles, I think like what, what I love about that is once you start listening to that one, it then trickles into different things. Mm -hmm. um, what I love is if, if Mr. 45 didn't teach me anything else, it was I needed to be proficient in what's going on. But I wanted it to come from individuals who um, I could relate to. Right. So um, T.I. and David mm -hmm. Banner, they actually have podcasts where they bring on certain individuals to actually educate us on the process. Mm -hmm. That's been interesting because it's just enough to where it doesn't feel overwhelming. Right. Um, I definitely would suggest that. So I have a couple of inspirational YouTube videos um, that I'm going to get into, you know, putting pushing out more content. So um, they definitely could, you know, they want to add me to their plate. KC, uh, <laughs> so K-E-E-W-I-E underscore K-C. Mm -hmm. um, they definitely will be able to be connected that way. Okay. Um, who else? There's so many individuals. So I would definitely say um, Gloria Weatherspoon, The Point. <laughs> so she, there's a podcast out there. Um, and one of my dear friends has a She Leads, oh, I'm sorry, her, her Leads uh, with Tanika. Um, I'm, I'm all over the place. Tanika Howard. <laughs> but she has some inspirational content out there as well. Um, I think that's really it. Like I, there are a lot of, uh, I like where it's one of those like, my palette changes. So I might get a little bit from over here, a little right. bit from over there. So, um, but definitely those are the ones that like come to mind if you ask me on a spot. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So there you go, Dope Souls. Um, I hope you were able to walk away with more jewels for your crown and hot sauce for that leadership yes. bag. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Kiana, thank you again for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Sisters and members of the Dope Soul crew, thank you for being a valued listener of the She Speaks podcast. Now, what I need you to do is I need you to go forth and lead the way that you have been designed to authentically and, of course, unapologetically. And on that note, we are out. <laughs> that was my, the crap. <laughs> hey, sis. 
Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to She Leads. If you have any discussion topic ideas or would like a response to questions that you have about the workplace, please feel free to send me an email at thesheSpeaks at gmail.com. And if you are a faithful Anchor user, you can also leave a message on the podcast. I look forward to hearing from you.